Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to 1 Peter. We are starting chapter 2 today. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is God's Word. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the Word, so that you may grow up into your salvation, if you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected This one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is it 
is there, if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls." May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, once again, as in the previous section that we looked at, Peter begins by saying, therefore. We said, whenever you see therefore, you've got to ask, what is the therefore? Therefore. You need, when you start this passage, to remember what went right before it. And what we were told in the previous verses is both what God has done for us and then how we are to live in light of that. This is a continuation of that theme, how we are to live because of what God has done. Therefore, in light of what God has done, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. There are some things that come naturally to us that don't belong in our lives. We have a lot of people now in our culture and sadly in our churches who try to suggest that you should just do what comes naturally. Well, some of us would become murderers. You understand? Because some people are quick to anger which is not okay with God. Some of us would steal, which is not okay with God. Because some of us covet, which is a violation of God's command. What comes naturally to the human heart is not necessarily what is pleasing to God. And so we must get rid of, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Those things must have no place in our lives. Notice it says all malice, not just you need to tone down the malice. Okay? Don't be so angry. Don't be so hateful. Turn it down a little bit. Um, when it comes to deceit, you need to use that wisely. No, you need to get rid of all deceit. All deceit. Well, what about hypocrisy? It's got to go. You can't be a phony anymore. How many of us have heard people say, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites? Well, that's no excuse for not being a part of the church. But there is a problem when there's hypocrisy in the church. People pretending to be something they're not. 
Envy. Anybody here ever have a problem with envy? Get rid of it. Rid yourselves. You can choose to say no to that natural tendency, that sin that keeps coming back as a besetting sin. And all slander. It's all got to go. Like newborn infants, here's what we're to do instead. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into your salvation. How are you going to grow in your walk with the Lord? Through the word of God? Through the study of the scriptures? Again, that's why we have you memorizing and meditating on God's word. That's why we study it together. Is because that's where you get your nourishment. That's what renews the mind and transforms the life. God's word changes us from the inside out. And so, like newborn infants, I don't know how much time you've spent around newborn infants, but you know what you're supposed to do as a Christian? What is your responsibility in order to grow up into your salvation? You need to be feeding on the Word of God, and you need to be crying for it. You need to be hungry for it. You need to be longing for it. One of the signs that something's wrong with a baby is it doesn't have an appetite. Okay? If the baby doesn't get hungry and doesn't want to feed, that's a problem. That's a warning. Something's not healthy. Well, let me tell you, if you claim to be a Christian and you don't want to study God's Word, something's wrong. That's not healthy. There's something the matter. So, like newborn babies, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the Word so that you may grow up into your salvation. If you've tasted that the Lord is good. Have you discovered that? Have you come to the realization that the Lord is good? Jesus is wonderful. He's wonderful. Years ago, when I was a kid, uh, a guy whose wife went to our church, but he didn't, he said to my mom, I, uh, I, I don't think I would have liked Jesus. Because he seems... Now, this is a guy who didn't study his Bible. But he seemed to be somebody who was always hard on people. My mom responded, huh, I've never known him to be like that. She said, in fact, when I read the Gospels, I find that he was surrounded by little kids. And little kids usually are more prone to hang out with people who are fun. I thought, well, that's a nice insight. I'd never thought of that before. Of course, I was still a kid. But as you study the Gospels, indeed, you find that Jesus, often he's asked a question, you know, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? And so he calls one of the children to come over, and he holds him up, and he says, those who humble themselves like this child. Okay? What was that child doing? How'd they find one? Excuse me, I'd like to answer your question, but first we're going to have to find a child. No, they were there. If you get to know Jesus, you're going to love him. You're going to absolutely love him. And the reason we love him, the Bible says, is because he first loved us. It is a wonderful thing to be loved. And some folks grow up really afraid to trust anybody because people who are supposed to love them 
didn't. But if you get to know Jesus, you're going to find that he loves you perfectly. He doesn't give just a little bit of his heart. He wholeheartedly loves us. And I so want you to know him and to trust him. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves, as living stones, are being built to be a holy priesthood, a spiritual house, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. He is what it's all about. But not only is he a living stone, it says that we who trust in him are living stones, and God is building us into a spiritual house. Picture yourself as a stone in a stone wall. Are you getting the image? If you and I are going to be joined with Christ and a part of what God is building as he's building his kingdom, there is no escape from the fact that he calls us to be joined together. The images that God uses, for instance, that of the body. The parts are joined together. And if you have problems with being joined with others, you need to take it up in the body with the head, in the building with the builder. Because I know some folks who would like to be part of the body as long as they don't have to come in contact with other parts of the body. Or as long as they get to decide which parts of the body they're going to be joined to. Uh, that's not the way it works. Okay? God is building something out of those who trust in him. But we have to learn to get along with each other. Amen? And therefore, no malice, no deceit, no hypocrisy, no envy, and no slander. Instead, we're growing up, feeding on the word of God because we love the Lord, and we are being built by him into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. And so honor will come to you who believe. What an honor. What a privilege that he says, I want you to be joined with me. I want you to be joined with me. Well, you know who he is? He's king of kings and lord of lords. What an honor. What a privilege. But it's one we share with one another. And so it has to transform the way that we view one another and treat one another. I'm tight with Jesus. <laughs> Me. I, 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 I get to be really, you know, like this with the Lord. Who are you? I know people who seem to have that attitude. They really feel like, you know, they've got a relationship with the Lord, but they, they don't have anything to learn from the rest of the body of Christ. 
They can tell you what's wrong with everybody else. And they haven't learned anything from anybody in a long time. After I got my degree in biblical and theological studies, it was a college degree, I had grown up in a pastor's family, and I was extremely well-versed in Scripture. And I did very well, by the way, getting my degree in biblical and theological studies. I was, uh, I was an outstanding student. And uh, I went to work for this ministry down in Mississippi, and I continued a habit I had developed in junior high and high school and continued through my college years, and that was to enjoy critiquing inwardly. I didn't tell everybody else, but inwardly critiquing uh, whatever speakers were brought to our campus. I grew up in a college town, and so I would hear various speakers, and some of them were quite good, actually. But I was always looking for where they were off. Why? Because that gave me my feeling of smug superiority. I, I confess this, not because it's a decent thing. It's a shameful thing. But I really sat there in meeting after meeting and thought, well, that's good, that's good, that's good. I wonder where he's off. And usually... Give me enough time. Let me read his book. I can find, well, he's, he's, he's pretty good, but he misunderstands this. He's off on that. I just started working at the ministry in Mississippi. A person came to speak, and my first thought was, I wonder where he's off. And suddenly God spoke to me in a way that good Reformed Orthodox people generally find quite uncomfortable because God's not supposed to be doing that anymore. But God said to me, when was the last time you learned something? And I knew what he meant. And I teared up, and I began to repent. Because I realized my approach to the scriptures as taught by others was not that of a learner. It was that of a critic. I was a class A Pharisee. And God hates that. Now, mercifully, he still loved me. And he loved me enough to correct me. But I had to repent. And I realized something that I had known years before, but somehow lost track of. And that is, God uses people who are flawed, and imperfect, in order to share his perfect word. And this person may indeed be off on this point, but they could teach you a lot about this. And this person may be off on this point, but they could teach you a lot about that. Definitely there are wolves in sheep's clothing, false teachers that the Bible says we need to guard against. But let me tell you something. We need to be humble in our dealings with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be eager to see what God would say to us through his word, because his word is always true. So, honor will come to you who believe, verse 7. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. 
They stumble because they disobey the word. And they were destined for this. Now again, when he says that, that's, that's one of those things that makes a lot of people's teeth go on edge. They were destined for this? Unbelief? Disobedience? Is what they were destined for? Really? That sounds as if God makes choices. That sounds as if all of us deserve hell and all of us say no to God's gracious offer until God does something absolutely supernatural and changes our hearts. As Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. It's God's Spirit who gives us new birth. It's not something we accomplish. John 3 doesn't say, if we believe on the Lord, we'll be born again. It says, we believe because we're being born again. It's a work of God's Spirit changing us, taking away the heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh, giving us new birth. That is why we believe. But those who do not believe, this says, they stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, But now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Everything changed because of what he did. He saved us. And the consequence of that is now you are the people of God. Not the person of God. You are the people of God. And so when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, pray like this. My Father who is in heaven, hallowed... Wait a minute, did I get something wrong? Did I say the wrong words? Well, what what did he teach us to pray? He taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven. I can't shut the others out. Well, do we need to have a personal relationship with him? Absolutely. You can't be saved just by going along with the other believers. You can't be saved just because you sit in church and hang out at Bible study. You have to personally trust him or you're not a Christian. But if you personally trust him, you have to believe what he says. And what he says is, you're part of a family. You're supposed to be joined with others in worshiping him because we are destined to be in the Father's house for eternity. Brothers and sisters, our Lord commands us, do not stop loving one another. Instead, as we said last time, You show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart. Love one another constantly because you've been born again. 
He joins us together. Instead of looking at what irritates you about another person, ask God to show you whether you're loving that person well. Do you really love? You've been loved. You've been loved sacrificially. Now, we're to love one another. And that means we got to get rid of the stuff that doesn't belong and realize we've been joined to each other when we're joined to Jesus. And it's for eternity. So get used to it and do it well. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.